Galatians, the second chapter. We're going to look at a couple of things here with Paul and his life and ministry. Because, you know, what was Paul's life? What was his ministry? What is our life? What should our life goal be like? Verse 1 says this of the second chapter. Then after 14 years, I, and this is Paul writing, went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. Now he had gone up before, but now he's going up again. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might have run or had run in vain or aimlessly or without effect. Now, I'm going to read that from a different translation. Uh, The New Living Translation says this, these two verses. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again. This time with Barnabas and Titus came along too, or also. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those who were considered to be leaders in the church. And I shared with them, so he met with them privately. You know, some things need to be done privately. And some things need to be kept private. And somebody who's going to grow and be wise is going to learn that some things just need to be kept private. I think some of the stuff on the news that just goes around about what people say and what people are doing... Not that we hide it, but some stuff just should not be repeated again and again and again and again and again and again and again. You with me? I'll tell you what, if anybody could repeat stuff that you don't want repeated, God. What if he just started spilling his guts? We'd be like, oh, great. You're not going to bring that up, are you, Lord? Oh, yeah, it's okay. Just tell everybody. Okay, that went over well. But he said he did it privately. These leaders got together and they spoke privately. And he shared with them the message, he said, the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure. Now he's been preaching. And what are we talking about today? The word of God that lives forever. Now, here's a man who the Lord had appeared to him, had an incredible experience with God. God said, now you go out and preach the gospel. He goes out and preaches the gospel. And then the Lord deals with him to make sure he goes back to a place where there are other people that are established in the truth. We don't have a council of the church, so to speak. Maybe we have denominations and stuff. But we do have local churches. Not all local churches are equal either. But there should be a place where we can go to help us stay in line. Even Paul, going to the whole world, said, I need to make sure I go there. And he said, I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement. For I fear. He was super concerned. I mean, he's out doing work, doing work, doing work, doing work. And he wanted to make sure, he said, that all my efforts... He said, I feared that all my efforts would be wasted and I was running the race for nothing. Could you imagine? And what was he saying that would make his race 
like he was running it for nothing or for something. And it all came down to the truth that he adhered to and what he was portraying and what he was giving to the people. In other words, I wonder if this would be a good thing for other ministers today that are on TV, that are public speakers, that have churches, that somewhere people can talk to people and go, hey, and he was led to do this to make sure. Why? Because he said, I could have lived my whole life and been telling something that was totally not right. If he would have done that, the results would have been catastrophic those people could have been lost and gone to hell. And they could have all felt good about it, and he could have felt good about it, and he could have got up on TV and said, I'll tell you what, I preach over in 37 countries around the world, and I've been doing this and got these meetings, and I've been thrown in prison. Everybody's like, whoa. But there was something internal in Paul, and he said, wait a minute, I need to make sure what I'm saying is in line with the truth, and it agrees with the truth, so I'm going to go meet with these guys, and I'm not just going to do it private or publicly. He went and he did it private. He had a sit-down, and he explained. He didn't want to waste his time. I wonder if there is some stuff that just people preach to be appealing to people, to stir emotions. And make people feel good, but when we get to the end of the road, will it, and I'm all for people feeling good. One of my goals today is so you leave and you don't feel good. (laughs) No, that's not the goal. It's the good news, right? But the good news means there is bad news too, right? Or it's just news, but the fact of the matter is, He said, listen, I've been working and working. You ever wanted to work and not get a paycheck? What if you were building a building and building a building and a big high rise and then at the end it fell and caved in and everybody in it died? You'd think, wait a minute, that that was no good. But what if those people that fell in the building died and were eternally lost? That'd be worse. And he knew, I'm building or trying to build the kingdom, and I need to prove what I'm saying. But you know what's wild is? As we read on further here, we find out as we read on that he was able to get his stuff proofed, so to speak, but there had been stuff creeping into the church even where he was going to proof it. And let's read on. Verse 3, yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, so he's a non-Jew, and he's in a place where Jews were predominant, and they were influenced by keeping the commandments of the law in the Old Testament. He said was compelled to be circumcised, which was one of those. Now, we do it for hygiene and stuff, but they did it as a covenant to God, as a symbol of something. And so here he goes with this Greek guy and Titus wasn't compelled to be circumcised at this point. And thus occurred, verse 4, and this occurred because false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth. You know what stealth is. You know, untraced, but they came in. To spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus. What gave them the liberty, the gospel, the truth? And they were living in freedom because they had received Christ. 
and weren't trying to keep all these commandments to be saved. And it says that they might bring us into bondage. In other words, they were trying to get them to go backwards from the truth and go back under, keep this commandment, keep this feast, do this, keep these rules. If you want to be saved, you've got to do this. They're pulling them backwards. But I love Paul. I don't think Paul was always the most popular. You just read the Bible. But he was popular in heaven. He's popular when it comes to eternity. You with me? He may be popular to us because we're in line with him. But isn't it true even in politics? And I'm not going to get into that. But if you're a Democrat, you favor what they say. If you're a Republican, you favor what they say. What we should be is people of the truth, and regardless of what one or the other says, if it lines up with truth, we can agree. If it doesn't, fine. But how many people are not like that? They're Republicans or Democrats, not Christians. We should be for the truth, not for just a man. And I'll tell you what, he was not popular. But thank God he lived a certain way, and we're going to follow his example. You with me? And notice, he said they tried to bring us into bondage. What does it mean to be in bondage, to be chained, to be bound? But how were they trying to bring them into bondage? To get them to move away from certain truths and to follow other things. Notice verse, verse 5. And this is why I like Paul. He may not have been always popular, but thank God he left us a good example. To whom? To these people, we did not yield submission even for an hour. We didn't start doing this stuff because we were pressured. How many people do things because they're pressured? And he said, I am not, and we are not, and we didn't. And he said, what was the reason? He said, so that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Why did Paul make a stand? Why should we make a stand for the truth as a church? Why should we talk about healing and being filled with the Spirit and the Lord is coming and there is right and there is wrong and there is only one way to heaven? Why should we make a stand for that? Because it's the truth, but why? We, it, yeah, it is God's word, but we want the truth to remain. If we don't make a stand, it disappears. Think about it. If Paul would have gone with them and Titus would have gone with them, maybe it would have read, we yielded and the truth didn't stay. How many times are truths lost because people back away from them because of external pressures, really, that we don't always see. They're not always people. They're thoughts and ideas and suggestions that pound away at your mind. What are they going to think if you go this way? What, do you, what, are, what are they going to think if you do that? Just back down. They're going to think you're a fanatic. They're going to think you're crazy. Where do those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions come from? Where do they come? Somebody said, my husband. No, I'm talking... When no outward voice is coming, but all of a sudden there are things hitting you in the head. You should just change, turn, and pack up and go a different way in this, in this matter. Where do those things come from? 
Yeah, I probably can figure that out. But I like this. He said, I made this stand not just for me, not just for God, but so the truth might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, verse 6, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. Now, who's he talking about? These pillars that were proofing what he said. He got, said, God shows personal favoritism to no man. Here's what we need to understand. And here's something we need to get in ourselves. Don't be bothered what other people think about you when it comes to the truth. Paul said this, listen, God doesn't show favoritism to anybody. Don't get men as the pinnacle. Put God in his place. And he said, listen, he said, whatever they were, he said, it makes no difference to me. Now, understand this. Paul obviously thought something of them to be able to go to them and talk to them. But he said, that didn't make a difference to me. He said, God shows personal favoritism to no one. Here's the problem. What we're about to see is some of the other people that were pillars were already drifting off this other way. And what does it mean if people drift off away from the truth? It means the truth does not always then remain from generation to generation. What does it mean if the truth does not remain? Then it means the power of God can't take effect in that generation in the area where the truth is hidden. You with me? And so he said, God shows personal favoritism to no men. For those who seem to be something, they added nothing to me. Now let's skip down to verse 11. And I find this fascinating. He goes through different things and he talks about how he was called to, uh, to go and preach the message to the Gentiles, which he was reviewing with these elders, this gospel, this good news. And we know that the Bible is called, the good news is called the power of God. When people don't hunger and hold on to the word, they don't hold on to God's power. They let go of God's active power when they let go of the truth. And he knew, I need God involved in my life, I'm holding to the truth. So he explains how he was called, how Peter was called. And then he goes on in verse 11 after talking about Peter's calling. And that he had a genuine calling. Let's do a little time out here. We got time. Peter traveled with Jesus. Where you were in the past doesn't matter. Where you are today does. Well, you know, I heard that. I know that. Peter traveled with Jesus. Peter preached the first message. Peter must be perfect. Now remember, people had crept in and different ones had come in and they're starting to pull people to start living according to the law and keep rules to be saved instead of through grace by Christ Jesus. And notice verse 11. Now, when Peter had come, Peter wasn't there. 
with the rest of them. He said, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. He just got done talking about how he was called and sent of the Lord. But what's going on here, Peter? Now remember, he said he didn't consent to certain things so that the truth might remain. They had come into a time as the church was growing where the truth was getting pushed out. Being filled with the Spirit, working miracles. You can read all that. He said, he who ministers to you in Galatians, the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? That's what these people were going back under. Or he said, do do they do it by hearing faith taught from the Word? They face that. And here he is, he said, now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. In other words, he's a culprit. Was he lost? No. But he was obviously doing something that was allowing people to go astray. He said, for before certain men came uh, from James, who was one of the pillars in the church, he would eat with the Gentiles. See, under the law, you couldn't mix. You couldn't do that. But under grace, you could. And so he was doing it at first, but now other people came and he didn't stay with the truth. He started acting back under the law. Look it. But when they came, fearing those who were of the circumcision, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that, that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. They would act one way until other people came, and they'd start acting a different way. And he said, listen, this not only affected these people, but his traveling companion Barnabas is now drawn away into this false actions. And he said, listen, I had to withstand him to his face because they weren't being straightforward. He, he said, listen... And what saved Paul? You know what would save us many times? Is not being just concerned about how we look and what people will think about us. What will they think if I witness to this person? Oh, they're going to think I'm... Who cares what they think? Paul said, I'm not concerned about the appearance of people and what they think. God shows no respect to persons. And so here he is now trying to get the truth reestablished in the church because they're moving aside because even Peter, one of the pillars in the church, has slid away. What do we do? We stick with the word. Now, we know Peter obviously made some adjustments here. Notice verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth, It's okay to be straightforward about the truth. We don't need to be obnoxious. We don't need to fight. We can love people, but we do need to be straightforward. I said to Peter before them all, wait a minute, I thought he did stuff in private. No, Peter was doing this before all. So this needed to be straightened out because all of them were needing this help. And so he said, I said it before them all, because he wasn't straightforward with the truth. Notice this phrase, 
the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? In other words, what was happening is now these guys have gotten saved and now he's trying to get them back over living under the law. This is getting messed up. But why did he say he wasn't straightforward with the truth of the gospel? What is the big thing about being straightforward with the truth of the gospel? Turn to Romans 1 and we're going to look at this verse. This is something Paul said. And to me it's so important. We don't need to be mean. We're to present the truth in love. We're to be kind toward people. We're to persevere with people. We're not to be harsh with people. God's not harsh with us. But no doubt, we shouldn't just hold people up in, the eye, in, in our eyes and think, what will they think if I hold to this truth? Don't respect them in that way. You may respect a person. You may honor people. You may love people. But you need to be careful that you don't become a people pleaser. Isn't it interesting, even in Galatians, he said, if I still please men... I am not pleasing God. And that's where Peter got messed up. He was trying to please the people, and he moved away from God's message. And it's not pleasing to God. I'm so glad that Paul stayed with the truth because the truth had such far-reaching effects. And if it would have been closed away and locked away, whole generations would have been lost to various truths. That's why we read last week that all the treasures of wisdom and riches and of knowledge are in the message and truth of Christ and God. And he called them hidden treasures. Meaning you better dig them out. Because if they get buried, you can go through your life and miss a certain thing and go, that was for me. I didn't know it. I, I'll tell you what, it's not always popular to say the right thing. And I'm not talking about being obnoxious, but it's not always popular because of there's external forces, unseen things, that would want to move people away. Why? Because if you move them away from the truth, you move people away from freedom in Christ. Notice this in, in Romans 1, verse 16. Paul said this concerning the message of the gospel. He said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, we could put period, end, done, praise the Lord, he's not ashamed. We saw that. He's not ashamed. And that's good. But he didn't end there. Notice this. He said, for this message, it is the power of God. How many people are seeking the power of God and don't realize that the power of God is in the truth? It's contained in the truth. He said, it's in the, he said it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So if you lose the truth, you lose God's working ability to be able to do things in people's lives. I'm so glad for Paul's example. 
You with me? We should think, hey, if it happened in the church back then, back when they first started, it could happen today. And we need to be on guard. And we need to study the word for ourselves. We need to love people. We need to present the truth to the lost and stand for the truth as believers. I'm going to read something as we close. Martin Luther, you know, in the 1500s, uh, really brought change to the church. You know, 500 years ago, much of the truth of the gospel had been lost, and it had gotten so bad. I think about this because I think there could have been hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of people going to church week after week that ended up going to hell because the truth was not adhered to. Maybe millions. I'm going to read this about Martin Luther and his life. It says, but in 1517, so 501 years or whatever, notice this, Luther penned a document attacking the Catholic Church's corrupt practice of selling indulgences. Now, it's not just the Catholic Church, and I'm not trying to knock anybody, but this is what he did. Back then, they were selling indulgences. What does that mean? It meant you could come to church, you could, I'm the priest, you could give me $5, and I would give you permission to go out and commit adultery. Or you could go out and you get drunk and do these different practices and they would sell indulgences and then your sins would be forgiven. What in the world? Where's that in the Bible? And so Martin Luther uh, came against the church and he was in the church. So it wasn't like he was an outsider. Where did this come from? It says... you know, to absolve sin, he he came against this in his 95 theses, which propounded to central truth or central beliefs, uh, or, or I'm sorry, surrounded two central beliefs. This is what he came to when he tried to get people back in line and get the church back in line, and he was coming against the establishment. Notice this, it says that number one, the Bible is the central religious authority. That's what Paul was standing for, the Word of God. They had come away, and that humans may reach salvation only by their faith and not by their deeds, was the spark, it says, of the Protestant Reformation. We take some of this for granted. Much of the known world that knew stuff didn't even know this. Crazy. But what does the Bible teach and what is known and what is not known? And if we hear something and it's sound in line with the Word of God, we should be okay with following it. Some of the reasons we wouldn't is we'd think, well, what are other people going to think about this? Now, I'm not talking about being crazy. I know this. I am in contact with other ministers. As a matter of fact, we were discussing the other night about shame and guilt and what is, should a Christian, how should it be looked at, you know, and we were talking about how people who live with shame many times live with addictions and it's something that God doesn't want and we were 
looking at some different conclusions of their place. And should it even be brought up? But the whole thing is, some things are said without proof. Being proofed. Have you ever read something? I find this to be true now on the internet. If you look at the news. That a lot of it's not proofed. And, and, and I did not do real well in English, okay? I'm not bragging about that. I just didn't. But I'll sit there and go, they could have used a period there. They, that could have been a capital letter. Where's the letter? Where's the word? They, you know, I'm talking not the content, but just I'm thinking, don't they have people who proofread this? You know, they just say a different word altogether. Now, you may have read some of my stuff and said, oh, well, I've thought the same thing about you. Well, I don't have a proofreader, okay? But I'm thinking these guys should. But some of the things we hold to should be proofed. Have you ever grown in your faith and went, why was I holding to that? It got proofed by the truth and helps you live in freedom. Freedom. 